Hello and welcome to Under the Skin, starring me, Russell Brand, produced collaboratively between the impeccable Charlie Briggs, does a lot of the production oh. and writing, <laughs> and Jenny Mae Finn. All right, Jen. Hi. Let's have a look at the scripts <laughs> that you, you've got here. Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary, love Luminary. This week I spoke with His Holiness Radhanath Swami, teacher of mine for many, many years, beautiful man. Radhanath Swami is one of the world's most beloved and respected spiritual teachers. He spent his youth wandering through disparate countries, disparate ones and cultures, yearning for an experience of truth. After finally meeting his spiritual teacher in India, he spent the last 50 years internalizing that spirit practice and sharing it with others. He's not only a guide, but a community builder, activist, and a New York Times bestselling author. Radhanath Swami's message is as profound as it is simple. By cultivating a rich inner life of self-awareness and a genuine practice of service, we can buy instruments of compassion and agents of sustainable change in the world. Jenny, did you enjoy the podcast? Yeah. What it's very your... calming. 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 <laughs> you feeling... Very calming. Did you find you feeling calmer now? No, no. <laughs> We now, just did a Zoom call. Hold on a sec. Yeah, those Zoom calls are going really well, aren't they? We're like, if you're not on the email list, you should join the email list because we send out invitations to Zoom calls and uh, they're good. We just done one f for 430 people. It was madness. You have to keep muting people. People keep unmuting themselves. <laughs> I don't know what, how they keep doing that, do you? They want to talk. Right, but you've got to have structure. You've <laughs> got to have it. Even in anarchy, that's the, got to be structured. Now let's have a look at some of the comments we've received uh, for the last podcast. Uh, Filmwork Studios says, sorry about that, that's my dog bear. Filmwork Studios says, why does Jenny Mae Finn's voice what? Yeah, look, it says here, sound a bit like a Bee Gees voice? <laughs> Sounded like this. Are they American? In the morning. Are they Australian or American, the Bee Gees? And I pray like a candy topic. Do a bit more talking. <laughs> I don't sound like a Bee Gees. I don't sound like a Bee Gees. You do it better. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Uh, now, here are some of the comments from our last uh, podcast with Janavi Harrison. Rishi V. Singh, really beautiful podcast. Heart. Thank you, Rishi. Filmwork Studios, it, whose name I just used to criticise Jen. She's absolutely amazing. Her voice is like heaven on earth. She's such a beautiful singer, isn't she? It's spellbinding and captivating. Jay Shetty. My man, Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty, who I should have mentioned, actually, and I would have mentioned, used to bring Radhanath Swami here in his car and then just sit patiently outside. On occasions, I would say, do you want to come in? I didn't know Jay Shetty then. Neither did, had Jay Shetty become the renowned influencer and spiritual teacher shall we call him because he's a lovely man jay I, he's a, and indeed perhaps he's the highest accolade i can offer anyone friend um <laughs> <laughs> great to see you both together says jay uh can't wait to discuss this with you i hope we do get to discuss it jay i hope you're listening mate and uh i hope that uh anu and sandipan i hope you are listening too i'm sending you a lot a lot a lot a lot of love Paul Van Kessel says, a really great conversation between two inspiring people. Thank you. Why, did you just snort? <laughs> no. Well, what was that noise? 
It's louder than the dog bark. <laughs> I don't know anyone could make that noise with their sinuses. It's absolutely outrageous. Uh, you sign up, go to russellbrand.com, sign up for the mailing list. We can send you direct information. There's a lot of things happening soon. I've got a book coming out on Audible talking about sacredness. You're going to love it. I've got, um, what's the other thing? Oh, yeah, like I might start doing these retreats. I'm doing some interesting collaborations with Insight Time. I've got a lot of exciting things, and I'm doing these Zoom calls. You'll love them as well. There's lots and lots of things to get yourself in a real frenzy about before settling down into vibrant serenity, a phrase I came up with during this chat with Randall Swami, and that I quite like. Check out the YouTube channel for more videos. And if you want to get in touch with me on social media, you probably will have the skill to do that. But do look out for a little blue tick because uh, sometimes my mother-in-law the other day said, a little blue tick. My mother-in-law said she had been following someone and communicating with them and it wasn't even actual me. Everyone gets that. Don't all, belittle all, this. All celebrities get that. Don't call me a celebrity. <laughs> Don't patronize all me. All famous people. All spiritual teachers. Get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny, are you ready to? Should we listen to Radhanath Swami? I listened to the uh, podcast on Luminary uh, the other day. It was nice <laughs> to hear some sound effects and stuff. Well, not sound effects, musical <laughs> beds or whatever. Oh, you mean our intro? Yeah, all right. It's intro. always been there. <laughs> I, I'm a, I live a busy life, Jen. You just get listen to the intro and stop. Ch- change them bits of sync. That are the bits of upsync of me to me saying right let's record them now there's bits of conversation you hear Jordan Peterson right you hear a bunch of people talking great it was guests it's done professionally well I don't like it <laughs> I'd like I'd like you to do it and I'd like use these sound bites that's very interesting professor yes great wisdom that's a fine compliment your holiness oh your majesty I couldn't possibly <laughs> now insert those into that bit where it's like me going Put <laughs> your voice too high. Yeah, it's too high. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you got a nerve to out high voices <laughs> when you sound like you're singing the soundtrack to Saturday Night at Fever. It's higher <laughs> when you're in America. In the I produce podcasts for us, a friend. Uh, what? In what it gets higher when you go to America. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it gets more deeper and more sonorous. And the vibration in my mask, as I was taught by Joe <laughs> Windley. Thank you. I vibrate through my mask and I talk proper like the Queen himself. <laughs> Thank you. So should we listen to Radhanath Swami? Because look, Radhanath Swami is probably listening back to this at an ashram. <laughs> He's hearing all this rubbish from you. Radhanath Swami is a great teacher, a great friend, a beautiful human being. Sometimes in his company, I allow myself to go into a sort of a hypnotic, starey state and I feel very powerful guru vibes, very elevating things. Once when I was talking to him, at the, I think I was at the Krishna Center in Soho and I felt the connection between all things, which is a moment of epiphany and enlightenment. I was looking at his face and I could see out the window and I could see the trees and I felt everything vibrating into oneness. And I was not on drugs. <laughs> Maybe a few drugs. No, I wasn't on drugs. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, Jenny, could you put an advert online, please? Wanted <laughs> professional producer for the successful podcast must be able to insert nice vocals of deep sonorous voice they won't know it's you though oh that's so, oh you're so proud of that aren't you you're so proud 
You see, that's real Irish rebellion, don't you? Against the English. Well, let me tell you, the English are rebellious people too. What are they rebelling against? Other English people. <laughs> right, come put the podcast on, Jen. We've done enough work today. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful route. Yes, that, that, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. Hey, are, are you ready, Swami G? Yeah, I'd love a prayer if you, you would like to. Om Timidandasya Gyananjana Chalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Sri Kudabe Namaha Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Adwaita Kadadhar Srivasari Gaur Bhaktabinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare I am so deeply grateful and honored and filled with joy to have this opportunity to be with you, Russell. I'm very grateful to be with you too and to have the opportunity to resume the conversation that we've been having since we met uh, nearly 20 years ago now, uh, which has always, as I recall, been framed by how do the principles of spirituality become deployed to create a more fair and just society, a more true expression of spiritual principles on the material and political plane. And this conversation, I suppose, is more vital and, and well, I don't know if it's more vital and necessary than ever, but it seems somewhat vital and necessary. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, Russell, I'm, what I'm going to speak is very much influenced by just before this um, recording has begun, I had the chance to see your beautiful children. And I want to say in the 20 or more years that we have been in connection with each other, um, seeing you surrounded by such a beautiful, spontaneous, loving family really is a dream come true for me. Thank you. I, I would like to address your question from the perspective of what you sp spoke to me a few minutes ago, how um, the challenges are there to actually give your very, very best to your children. And, and that's really how we progress in life, by understanding our responsibility um, in all aspects of our life, um, so that 
it's only in that way that our life really becomes meaningful and purposeful. Um, when by God's grace, we have children, you know, you're two beautiful little girls, their spontaneous enthusiasm is something that really uplifted me um, more than most meditations actually, <laughs> because, you know, life really is a meditation. Um, but when we, when we understand that we have these responsibilities to help others grow and we accept whatever difficulties or joys may be there to help others grow, that's where we truly grow in our hearts, emotionally and spiritually. Um, <clears throat> when, when we have children, we, they, are, they are God's children. In my tradition, God is Krishna, but that one God has so many different names and has revealed um, the truth through so many different forms throughout the ages. But you know, our children, our wife, our husband, is our God's children entrusted in our care. And whatever abilities we have, whatever skills we have, whatever wealth we have, whatever influence over others we have, um, they are all entrusted to us to use in such a way that we can uplift them because everything in creation is, is God's property and it's not our, um, it's not our right to exploit it, but rather we should live in harmony and to, and to nourish it. And, and similarly, all living beings in all species of life, what to speak of various races and religions and social statures of, of humans, everyone is a child of God. And, um, and whatever responsibilities in relationships we have with society, with family, with friends, by, by living in that spirit, um, we spiritually grow. And at this particular time, um, there's such a crisis in the world uh, on, on several levels of health and social relationships. Um, it, it really is an opportunity to, to feel for others, to, to, to take a step back from um, all of the routines and habits that we're kind of programmed um, to be in, in our life, and to re-examine where am I going? Where do I really want to go? What is really important and meaningful in my life? And am I doing the best I can? Are we doing the best we can, you know, to do that? Do you think that we can, do you think we are at liberty to undertake this investigation constrained as we are, whether consciously or not, by a framework of ideas and a, a system of communication that is designed to prohibit 
its own overthrow, whether that's individually or collectively, that we live in a state of stimulation, the stimulation of desire and fear that prohibits and controls the individual's ability to reflect, to contemplate, to find God within the individual consciousness. And on a cultural level, most people uh, are living within... uh, economic within economic restrictions and cultural restrictions that prevent access to these kind of ideas you know like i feel um swamiji that most people uh, myself included given that i still live in a consumer democracy and at somewhat successfully in material terms and hopefully in improving spiritual ones i it's still not easy to investigate and explore let alone uh inhabit the kind of ideas you're talking about when culturally we're continually repositioned as consumers. The people on the lower rungs of the social ladder are continually pitted against one another. How are we to find spiritual freedom when there is so much machinery in place to explicitly to prevent it? That, that is our free will to choose what we really value in our life. And... Throughout the ages, there have always been these programmed, conditioned mindsets and so many social um, manipulations even that keep people in these conditioned, selfish mindsets. Um, Even in the name of religion, what to speak of all the other isms that may be there. Um, but we always have the free will to ask simple question, you know, who am I and what, what is the real happiness I'm looking for? Is it the ever fleeting happiness of the body and senses? Or is it, is there something more to life than this? Is there something deep and meaningful I can leave as a legacy for my children, grandchildren, or for, for the future of, of the world? Um, these are always questions we have. And um, in, in the Bible, it is said, what profit of the person who gained the whole world, but lose their true eternal self? And, and that's the basis of Christianity, that's the basis of Hinduism, that's the basis of Buddhism, that's the basis of Islam, that's the basis of Sikhism and all religions. Um, Judaism is to know oneself, to harmonize the body, the mind with the heart, and to harmonize the heart with our very real nature, our spiritual nature, and with God. And then to live in harmony with with nature and other beings. And that's that's who we are. That's what will really give us happiness. Um, And when when we just understand that, then naturally we seek out the company of people who who help us to, to focus on that and to develop that inner awakening. Um, and then we actually can make really wonderful progress. And, and if we have that direction in our life, then the distractions and the challenges, um, we don't become hateful of them, but we see them as reminders of, of the, of where I really want to be.
how do we under I, I mean I mean I'm asking almost rhetorically the question how do we undertake that change because I know that of course you are, are a swami and a, and a long time devotee of Krishna consciousness and a swami within that ideology so I, you must believe that that is the way for us to do it and are, are you interested and I'm sure surely someone's brought to your attention that in the very successful well-sold book Sapiens uh, Yuval Noah Harari used the example when describing the rapid ascent of Christianity as the Roman state religion that it was as surprising he said as if uh, Krishna consciousness were to become the national religion of the United States over the next 30 years he says that you know he use that to describe the, the radical ascent of Christianity, you know, uh, uh, the point of Constantine, I'm no history buff. But uh, I know that you, you know, that you must believe that Krishna consciousness is the way forward for the planet, for people to allow Krishna into their lives and their hearts to see the spiritual world as a priority. Uh, do you specifically feel that Krishna consciousness is the solution? Do you care do you care about religious pluralism uh you know or, or do you believe that we should all individually find, follow our paths and what specific advice would you uh offer to people that are looking to free themselves from lives where they are trapped by their own impulses their own needs and the feeling of uh, external oppression from the culture that they live within the the sanskrit name krishna means all attractive, all beautiful, the supreme lover, the supreme object of love, satyam param dhimahi, it means the truth that everything is coming from. And nam nama karibaho nija sarva shaktis, that one truth has many names and has come in many forms. And all religions, all spiritual paths are ultimately meant to bring us to the same experience. Um, in the word Krishna consciousness means to be conscious of living always in harmony with the supreme truth. And I believe that's at the heart of all religions. In the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament it is said that the first and great commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And, and then it says, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is very important to understand, not from a sectarian perspective, but from a universal perspective, because it's an examination of this idea that all the Vedas and all the scriptures are really expanding on. Um, to love your neighbor as yourself, unless we know ourself, how could we love our neighbor as ourself? So who am I? I'm a, and when we understand who I am, that, that conscious force that's, that's animating and experiencing life through a body and through a mind that's always changing, and to understand that the nature of that self is, is to love. That's why everyone is seeking love, because it's our most inherent nature is to love and to feel loved. And to, and to experience that pleasure. And that, the origin of that pleasure is 
the harmonious nature of our awareness with with God, um, and through that with all beings and with nature, um, the the Sanskrit word for um, the path is Sanatan Dharma, which means to awaken the innermost spiritual nature within us. And that idea of Sanatana Dharma completely includes all religions in the heart of those religions. You know, over time, as you so beautifully explained, Russell, um, you know, so much sectarianism and arrogance and power of control comes in even in the name of religion and hate comes in the name of a loving God. But we need to, if we, if we can understand the essence of our own spiritual path, we not only respect and appreciate the, the essence of all other spiritual paths, but we actually love it. We feel, we feel connected to it. We feel truly that you know, all spirituality with all its variegatedness, we're one family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I understand. Uh, so for you, it's more important that people find a spiritual path of some description that is about uncovering their authentic self, finding uh, um, that, that Sanskrit term that you said, and I swore I'd remember and I've already forgotten, but like that in, uh, like the it's the same as the Tao, the way, the authentic truth, the path that is there for you as a true expression of yourself. So still though, I feel like how, what can anybody, what, what do you suggest to people they do in order to, embody embrace interface with this different way of living because i sense that most people a lot of people i speak for myself i live often in a state of distraction consuming negative information uh, distracted living in the illusion of my life rather than my authentic life how what changes could i make in order to actually spirituality is something very tangible um, in our physical existence, Russell, um, in order to have strength, we need to eat food, nourishing food, and we need to get proper rest. And similarly, in order to have um, intellectual strength, you know, we have to, to study, we have to apply and exercise our intelligence. Similarly, in order to have spiritual strength, to actually have clear vision of our real purpose and not get distracted by uh, envy and greed and, and distractions of so many ways, um, we, we need to tangibly give some time t- for nourishment. And that nourishment comes in three ways. One is by seeking the company of people who can inspire us and help protect us. Um, Just like one of my dear friends who you know has taken me to some AA meetings. (laughs) Um, And it's wonderful because these um, 12-step programs 
you know, so much the basis is the company of people who are facing the same challenges to come out of certain mindsets and habits so that they can grow to be something better for themselves, for their families, and for the world. And it's a wonderful program. Um, so, and, and I know um, people in these 12-step programs, AA or NA, that, you know, when a, a major crisis comes in their life, and that's the time that they can, that they're most prone to resort to, to past habits, which are, you know, destructive to them, that so many of their friends from, from the, the, the association are there for them to help them through it. So, you know, on a spiritual level, it's called sadhu sangha or satsang. We, we really need the company of enlightened people who inspire us by their example and like-minded people who, um, who share and, and who, who share the same purpose and goals in their life. And that's very important. And that's not a sectarian thing, you know, for spiritual minded people to really come together to help each other, to give strength when a person's down and to take strength when we're down. And then the second principle is called sadhana, which means when we have that strength and through that strength, we develop faith, faith in a process of healing, faith in a process of awakening. Then we put some quality time aside every day to cultivate that awakening. That's our spiritual practice. It may be meditation, yoga. In, in our tradition, we, we, we meditate on mantras or the chanting of God's names. We, we, we read literatures that are enlightening and inspiring to us. In this way, we put some time aside every day to, to have a qualitative connection with the divine, with our true self, with God. And the strength we get from that, it's like eating nourishing food. The strength we get from that gives us spiritual strength to go out into the world, whatever our profession, whatever our roles in society, and to live with character, to live with integrity. And ultimately, the essence of character and integrity is to live with compassion. Hmm. Yes, I understand these three principles. This principle of ha having the support of a like-minded community with spiritual goals, with p perhaps with mentors involved. Having a spiritual practice, some regular time of c deep connection, personal connection, and the idea of service and compassion for others. These are very simple ideas and indeed are found in my experience through uh, 12-step support groups. When you, can I ask you uh, on a personal level, do you, do you have uh, the spiritual experiences you have, do you have like vivid, psychedelic, 
symbolically exciting meditations with like Ganesh coming down or Krishna roaring through like do you get scenes from the Bhagavad Gita roaring through your mindscape when you're chanting or is it more of a, a an anatomical sense of warmth is there a sort of a psychedelic or visual component to your ex- experience of spirits your experience of the domains of consciousness beyond the material do you see stuff um it, it it's beyond psychedelic um, and of course you know what what krishna or what god reveals when i'm trying to be humble to connect um that is that is god's grace and that grace is the most beautiful the most healing that most wonderful thing in all of existence is is just to feel a connection with with grace the compassion of the supreme the 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 love of the supreme and it in our meditations and in, in my chanting um, it may come in glimpses it may come in wonderful explosive forms but that's not what's really important what's really important is just the meditation on gratitude gratitude to have this opportunity to connect with with god's grace and that is a that is a more fulfilling beautiful and sensational experience than any type of psychedelic um awareness just to be connected and to feel a grateful connection to the opportunity to be with god's grace and and the to know that i can share that grace with others in my life there's nothing more beautiful than that i understand a gentle feeling of being carried along this path that you earlier described this way to gratefully accept this grace i feel it sometimes myself that i'm connected and carried and not bounded by my uh, fragile brittle ego all edges constantly prodded always banging against the hard surfaces of the material world Uh, i had the privilege of staying at uh the ashram the eco village um, which i recall as being relatively near or a car ride at least from mumbai uh how are things going there how is that place during lockdown how are your numerous philanthropic projects going how are those big cows how are the papaya grown in human excrement how is every (laughs) how is everything (laughs) how is everything going at the eco village um russell you were there quite long ago, and since you've been there, so much has transformed and so much has progressed. And it's in whatever we've done, we've really done it with the hope that you will come back and and be happy. <laughs> I feel very optimistic about these kind of uh, societies, self-sustaining, ecologically uh, responsible communities. It, there's been a lot of evolution has there since I've last been there. Have you got a coffee machine yet? Because I seem to remember that being a problem. I know it's against your faith to drink coffee, but what if you have guests? For you, Russell, so many exceptions could be made. <laughs> Do you um, feel... 
I would like to know more. Okay, thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, the idea of the Govardhan Eco Village is that many people are talking, and many people are talking really good things, many truths, but the world needs to see models which are built on the foundation of those truths. And that's, in, in our own humble way, we're trying to do that at Govardhan Eco Village. You know, it started with just a little plot of land where we were growing our own organic natural foods. But we really wanted to um, make it a model of self-sufficiency, of environmental friendliness, of compassion toward humans and animals. And we really wanted to reach out to the villages and to the world. So it's in a village setting. And um, we, we have monks who have PhDs at American and British universities, and they're working hand in hand with simple farmers from the villages. And it's not that one is better than another. Each, each has something wonderful to share. <laughs> and in this way, um, one of, a, a couple of the projects is in that area, there's the maximum um, amount of suicides in India in the Maharashtra village area because of drought. And, you know, during monsoons, it rains. And during the rest of the year, eight months, there's usually not a drop. So we have really developed the natural technologies of water harvesting. And we have these water harvesting pools that catch the water and store the water from the monsoons and last us practically the whole rest of the year for, our, for all of our agricultural crops, as well as from, um, you know, for the household needs. Um, and we're teaching these, these arts to the villages. Um, natural farming, because so many people, you know, due to just a lack of awareness, have you been using so much chemicals that their topsoil is completely depleted. So we're helping people to, um, we're showing a model of how it works. And then we're going out and, and helping people to actually in, um, nourish their topsoil. And we have um, a natural sewage refining system, which you referred to. With <sighs> <laughs> and, and in one, in many ways, the sewage refining system is an allegory for the whole eco-village and life itself. That, um, you know, sewage is something that is considered waste. And what are we going to do with this waste? You know, people are putting it in rivers and put, people are putting it in um, in oceans and and in, and in India, because of difficult systems of, of sewage systems, it gets into their drinking water and it's a main cause of disease. But sewage is actually a resource because it's natural. Everyone does it. Whether we're millionaires or whether we're penniless monks like me, everyone, we have to eat. And after we eat, 
nature calls. Nature calls on everyone and we must respond to nature. And, and usually we put that in the toilet. And how many people keep it in the toilet? How many people want to look at it? As soon as we do it, we, we flush it down because we just don't like the smell. We don't like the sight. We don't like the energy. But actually, it's natural and it has its place to actually nourish you know, our lives. And, and through a natural system, this sewage is it, it's refined and um, it grows beautiful crops and beautiful flowers and beautiful, as you said, papayas. And the result is there's pure crystal clear water that could be used in our crops or if we needed to, we could put it back in our sewage system. So in this way, symbiotic, we're, we're trying to see everything. What is, what is the positive purpose we can utilize it for? It, because otherwise, you know, the idea of sustainability, unless we understand the value of what we consider um, waste, then um, we're wasting the opportunity of something that's a great wealth. And of course, we have you know a, a, a machine that transforms plastic into usable oil, and we have um, uh, we have animal protection, and we, it's it's now um, a bird sanctuary, our eco village, and it's an animal sanctuary, and it's a human sanctuary, and we have spiritual values, and we've created a retreat center where we have the Govardhan School of Yoga where people are coming from all over India and the world to learn yoga in the context of this greater um, perspective of holistic harmony. And we have an Ayurvedic medical hospital there. And um, in this way, we're trying to uplift people um, economically, physically, medically, emotionally, and most important, spiritually, because when people are spiritually uplifted in a real way, then naturally, you know, they'll be part of a positive change in every other aspect of life. And that's kind of what we're doing at Govardhan Eco Village, and we'd love for you to return. I could come. Thank you. I accept that invitation. I would love to come back there, and possibly we could collaborate in a, a retreat. I could uh, bring some of my uh, experience in 12-step areas. We could have a, like a yogic retreat, and any funds that we raised could go back into the philanthropic causes that your village supports. Um, I, I'm not quite finished talking about poo yet. Now, another aspect of this issue is that um, it reminds me that we have rejected our animal nature. We have rejected our own shadow. There are aspects of ourselves that we are unwilling to look at, unwilling to own. And the consequences of this unconsciousness are evident in our detachment from nature in general, even in a sort of incorporative and, as you say, symbiotic relationship with our own waste, turning our own waste into something that is uh, harmoniously functioning with our, our own ecology. I, I think that is a part of a practical awakening. To your point about agricultural uh, suicide, I've uh, seen some research that suggests that much of it is a, a like that the, the use of chemicals is not an accident but as a, a result of the 
capitalism and commercial farming in India and in some cases the sort of uh, aggressive pushing by organizations such as Mon uh, Monsanto for example off the top of my head like that are sort of introducing engineered seeds in addition to like the kind of the pesticide problems that you've um the pesticide and artificial fertilizer problems that you've alluded to and this again for me demonstrates that we are not looking to achieve a, a spiritual awakening in a neutral uh, environment let alone a benevolent and nourishing one but in adversity in the adversity of, of, of a system that is uh, antithetical to this kind of awakening although earlier when you talked about uh, on a personal and domestic level how the challenges of raising those two apparently beautiful children and I would say to you anyone anyone can pull it off for five minutes over a zoom call you should see them at 3am the the language they use these children swamiji i don't know where they're picking it up from uh, like like uh that you know these challenges can be part of our process of refinement the reason that i'm excited by the 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 village model is um somewhat related to a something i read that uh, Gandhi wrote that that when uh, when India was fighting for her independence from the British, that uh, India is a country of seventy thousand villages. The villages should all be fully autonomous and fully democratic, run by themselves, self-sustaining, uh, and uh, only trading when necessary. And that we must overcome our obsession with gadgets and trinkets. And obviously, he was writing that in the 1940s and this the the conditions that he was railing against have only uh, exa been exacerbated i feel that this model of autonomous independent villages that are self-sustaining awakened and aware where they are technologically advanced in the ways that you have described with the processing of plastic and the way and this and the um f indeed the fertilization and growth of the crops for me this is you know as you said when you were describing the your village this is uh, important to model these ideas. Um, when I was there, it was mostly, as I recall, there, there was a monastery there. There was monks living there. Uh, but now is there? there's a monastery and also what there's people, householders living conventional lives such as I do. Regular Joes living in a village. Is that what's going on there now? <laughs> there is a monastery and we also have an orphanage. Of, of of children from very destitute backgrounds and we have a community of many many families um families from the villages who have moved into our eco village or who come from the from the villages and see the eco village as a place to be spiritually nourished and to learn and um we have you know quite a few families that are living there now and and it's mostly the family people who have who are residing there who are taking charge of the various um projects that we're doing um and when when family people and monks when villagers and industrialists when scientists and um, and people who are just doing simple handicrafts, when everyone sees the value and appreciates what the other can contribute, then that that creates a healthy body. 
I like to give the analogy that in this human body, we have so many different um, organs and limbs, and each one has a special color, a special shape, and has a special function. And it's not that the kidneys are competing with the lungs, and it's not that the brain is com competing with the, the stomach. Um, you know, every part of the body understands its interconnection with every other part. And if, if you hurt even your littlest toe, every single limb and organ of your body is going to be sending healing energy to that little toe. That's, that's a healthy body where every part is appreciating the contribution of every part and every part is there for each other. And um, that's what our eco-village is really striving to do is show that unity in diversity where, you know, all different people from all different walks of life, you know, can, can harmonize together for a common purpose. So yes, we have, you know, a, a, an ever-growing um, family community that's there. Hmm. I was thinking when you said about anatomy there and the cooper the organic cooperation between the various facilities of the body that um, my understanding is that before cells become a kidney cell or a spleen cell or a brain cell there is a they are suspended in a kind of oneness a kind of morphic neutrality that can be expressed in or any of, of these various ways that seems to me an, an interesting expression of the underlying oneness of all things i heard i think this term once prakriti is it some the substance from which all matter and all phenomena is derived i wonder if you can tell us a nice bit of theological stuff out of some of the many books that back you now from the Mahabharata to the bhagavad gita hit us hit us with some vedic knowledge and some lovely stories with animals and gods in them um in the bhagavad gita um krishna who is the supreme being who has come to this earth he, he says aham sarvasya prabhavo mata sarvam pravartite iti matva bhajante mam buddha bhava samanvata that i'm the source of everything i'm the source of everyone whatever exists and whoever exists is emanating from me and the brahma sutra says janmadya syagataha the the, the supreme truth, or we may call God, whatever name we use, is from whom everything emanates. And when we, under, when we feel harmony with our own origin, then we understand our inherent harmony with everything and everyone. And unless that's actually understood within ourselves, we don't really have a, a, a full experience of it in the world. It remains somewhat theoretical. Um, maya prakriti, that, that this entire creation of prakriti, um, the energy is all interconnected and its origin can be explained in this way that there's the sun planet and from the sun planet comes the sunshine. The sunshine is the energy of the sun. The sunshine is everywhere, and it 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 can manifest in so many forms. It could it it manifests in 
everything that electricity creates, its origin is the sun. You know, it could, it, it, it's right now we're experiencing the sunshine by the screens of our computers or our, um, or our cellular phones. And um, there's reflections, there's, there's limitless ways that the sun rays nourish us and manifest for us. But the origin is the sun. And in one sense, we can, when the sunshine comes into our window, we, we may say that the sun is here. And it's true, the sun is here, but the sun planet is not here. It's the energy of the sun that's here, the prakriti of the sun that's here. So to understand how all the energy, which, is, which consists of everything in this material existence that we know and see, it's all coming from the same source. And when we understand that that source is loving and kind and the ultimate object of our love and how we are of the same substance as that loving light, because you know, we are the light of the sun too in that sense. We're like little sun rays. And when we understand the beauty and the sweetness of, of God, then we understand more and more the beauty and sweetness of who I really am, despite my shortcomings and despite whatever people think of me. I am a pure, beautiful, spiritual being. I'm the prakriti that's coming, the energy of the supreme beautiful. And the more we understand that, the more we, we're happy, ananda, and we, we're not, we, we can remain fixed in a higher purpose of compassion, even despite the greed and the anger and the envy and the arrogance and everything that, that is around us. And, and that's, that's where happy life really is, to understand the connection we have. Mm. Is there, thank you, is there, um, can you, is there something you can tell us uh, that may uh, be an attempt at allegorical explanation for the emergence of consciousness given what is described in scientific terms as the hard problem of consciousness there's no way of understanding how consciousness can emerge from material in materialist science materialist understanding there is no way of neurologically understanding how consciousness itself functions um and i spoke to uh, an academic recently about the theory of panpsychism the theory that consciousness is a fundamental element of the universe present at inception as opposed to evolved in certain material and well mammals you know us humans and animals um i wonder what it, if scripturally there is something about this phenomena of awareness and awakeness because when you were talking about the sun and the presence of the sun in all things it, it made me think of that um this beautiful verse from the Gita that in our own little body at one time we were an embryo in a womb and then as you so nicely explained everything starts manifesting from our cellular connections our, our kidneys and our hearts it's all coming from a, a source um, and until the consciousness enters into the womb, 
then those things don't start growing. <laughs> it's not that there's growth and then the consciousness comes. The consciousness is there at the time of conception and then things start growing. And then we grow from infancy to babyhood and from babyhood to, to, to youth and adolescence and old age. And, you know, I'm now, this year I'll be 70 years old, but I remember my life when I was a little child and I, I consider that that was me, but my body is very different and my mind and way of thinking is very different, but it was me through all these changes of the physical body. So we can understand life and the universe in the same way, um, that consciousness is eternal. Consciousness does not come from matter, but consciousness enters into matter and gives it life. Um, a car can do nothing unless there's a driver. When a driver goes in the car, the, you, the driver can see through the, car, the windshield, the driver can go forward or backward or right or left or honk the horn or do so many things, but a car in itself is just a potential, but there's nothing, there's no consciousness within it. So it's not that the driver has come from the development of the car company. It's, you know, the, the, the consciousness enters into the car. So similarly, it's consciousness that enters into matter and gives awareness and life to matter. And the most important thing from a spiritual perspective, Russell, is anandamayobhyashat, that everything in this world is in search of pleasure from, you know, I, I have seen trees growing in cities in such a way, you know, bending around the buildings to somehow or other feel the pleasure of the sunshine. Um, what to speak of little insects and reptiles and birds and animals and every human being, we're all looking for pleasure. We're all looking for security from pain. And the origin of this from a spiritual perspective is our inherent need to feel loved and to love. And the origin of that need is the love of God that is all pervading and everywhere. It's within us, it's within everywhere, but somehow or other we're so distracted looking externally, we have forgotten what's within ourselves. And to connect with that love and to be an instrument of that love in, is the greatest activism. We see, you know, people, you, you, you cited um, Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, my own beloved Guru Srila Prabhupada. We have seen such activism, but it was based on an expression of their love for God and their ability to see the, the unity of life itself. Life is precious. Life is sacred in all of its forms, in its inherent nature. Mm, yes, I feel that this ah, uh, that we have that this loss of connection or conscious connection with the sacred, for the sacred is surely all-encompassing, is what is generating much of the inner and external individual and collective 
conflict we are experiencing, this loss of the awareness of the sacredness in and between all things, the underlying unity that I've been writing about it as a matter of fact the it, trying uh, in my own way express this finding sacredness in my relationship with my children in the work that I do in even the experiences in my life that are humiliating or painful to me to see them as a guide back to this fidelity of alignment with this true and sacred frequency i am um, yeah that's pretty beautiful thank you i wanted to mention while we're here together the great love and kindness of uh sandipan and anu who have been so beautiful and like i, I see them as continuing to um, manifest and connect and uh, inhabit the connections between us and they're they're so continually beautiful and kind their family to ours that are feel like I would like to mention it in this context. It's, it's the nature of love. Sandipan, you know, he really loves you and your family and he, he, it's his joy in life to, to, to serve and to make you happy. And, <laughs> and according to his beautiful realizations in life, he has something so wonderful to, to give, his, his affection, his, to, to give happiness. You're very beautiful. I want to say, Russell, that, um, that Laura and Mabel and Peggy, your, your beautiful family, um, it, I, I just want to congratulate you. Thank you. You are truly blessed and, and um, trying to really be a good mother and trying to really be a good father is so much foundational basis of how we affect the world. Um, you see, spiritual contributions are not based on quantitative estimations, but they're based on the quality of our intent. And, and that qualitative intent can have an incredible effect on the universe. Um, just being, being a caring, loving mother, trying to give or father trying to exemplify values, character, and, and spiritual connection in our children in a way that 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 they love. <laughs> um, that's there is no greater service if we're doing it. We have a body, we have a mind, and we have a soul. And holistic life is where we're conscious of the needs of the body and the mind and the soul. And we want to physically help people. We want to emotionally uplift people. And we want to help awaken people's spiritual potential, their love for God. Um, and, and if we're doing whatever we're doing with, with integrity and sincerity, then that is a gigantic thing. It's um, whether we in, in the Ramayana, there's a beautiful story, which is connected at least, that Hanuman was lifting mountains to build a bridge. And there was a little squirrel, and that squirrel, he could just you know, pick up some pebbles. And the difference between a mountain and a pebble, quantitatively, is enormous. 
But the Lord who appeared as Rama, he's, he told Hanuman that this squirrel is doing as much as you. Because this squirrel is honestly and earnestly trying best to serve for the higher cause. And you're trying your best to serve to the higher cause. So today in the world, there's, people are very vulnerable to depression because we, we're almost conditioned by the energies of society to be comparing ourselves to what others are doing. And we have expectations of ourselves that are beyond ourselves. And, you know, we have to understand that the beauty and the glory and the success of life is not in the quantitative achievements, but it's that with, with the proper motive, we're honestly and earnestly trying our best. Uh-huh. And if we, to be instruments of love, and that, and every one of us has a glorious, um, exalted nature, if we just understand that principle thank you very much thank you Radhanath Swami I understand that I still have this uh, sense of mission and drive which I feel vacillates between the individualized egoic energy the constructs of my want for attention and accolade and a deep and eternal presence that I felt even at my darkest and most damned that is yearning for this oneness learning to express this oneness somehow i will always be someone i think more drawn to carrying mountains than pebbles uh, but uh <laughs> perhaps that's a an egoic issue that i need to attend to if i can say something russell what you consider a mountain could be a pebble to someone else <laughs> i didn't investigate that analogy too deeply and what what you consider a pebble might be a mountain to someone else. I prefer that one. In other words, you know, with whatever we have, we should do the very best we can. And if we're really doing the best we can, we should be activists. We should be really trying our best with whatever we have to help. You know, I know people who 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 work in this world like tirelessly to earn money so that they could help other people, you know, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And, you know, they may be billionaires. And I know other little farmers, they can't do that. (laughs) But they could raise a family nicely and try to inspire some of their neighbors. And from a spiritual perspective, they're both equal. They're they're both trying their very, very best. Mm to make a difference. Thank you. Spiritual life should not make us complacent. It should actually activate us to be the best we could be. But we're satisfied just with the opportunity to serve the best we can. We, we, we don't compare ourselves to others in a, in a destructive way. And we're not discouraged or depressed. We, we're inspired. Yes. Where are you right now? I'm in the United States of America at this time. You're in Chicago. Are you, are you, where are you? Los Angeles? Where, are you, where did you go? I'm in the Midwest near Chicago. Oh, is it, How is your family? Uh, my father is now 96 years old, and I visit him 
sometimes. Um, and he's, he's actually very excited that I'm on this show with you today. I told him about it. He, he loves you a lot. Oh, give him my love, will you? <laughs> I certainly will. Thank you. And I have two brothers who are living in various parts of the country. And, you know, we, we have wonderful friendship with each other. Thank you very much. Uh, um, is there anything that you want to add? I'm very happy with our conversation. I hope we get to have many more. I'm very much looking to spend some time with you, potentially at a uh, retreat at the Eco Village. Uh, but I'm always grateful to see you, always grateful for your companies, your company and your teachings. Always nourishes me and always kind of hypnotizes me into a sense of vibrant serenity. <laughs> you have such a beautiful way with words. You are like a fine craftsman with words. Who can, and, and that's such a gift. It's such a gift, a unique gift, and and I'm so proud to see how you're using this gift really to try to uplift people's consciousness on every level. Um, if you you know the world really um, is so much benefited and enlightened by 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 people like you who are you're using your incredible intelligence and your influence to make a positive difference in people's lives. And, and that's really beautiful. And of course, there's risk in doing that and there's challenges in doing that, but the risks and the challenges for giving something beautiful, for giving compassion is actually meaningful. Um, there was a great saint who said, um, in times of difficulty, are times of great opportunity. Hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Swamiji. I'm very grateful for uh, this conversation and uh, I really hope we get to spend some more t time together soon. Well, I, I express my, my love and my gratitude and my prayers to you, Russell and to our loving Laura and Mabel and Peggy and your wonderful, incredible mother. Ah, oh, thank you. Your good fortune of meeting and I hope that her health is improved from that, from that accident she had. And to your father who I got to meet in Ireland. <laughs> I wrote about that. And, and, and to all of your friends. Thank you. I, I really feel a very special part of your family and that's that's a blessing in my life. Thank you, you are. I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, beautiful and enlightening conversation between myself and Radhanath Swami. I'm not suggesting that the enlightening bits were me, but perhaps you could send a message saying that you did think that I was and that would be good for my ego. After all, what is the primary function of this great spiritual quest we're all on together, if not to further ornament and inflate the ego, the cause of all this claptrap? Love to all to Radhanath Swami, all of the Krishna consciousness community. Shout out again to Sandy Pan and Anil, uh, Anu, excuse me, and uh, to Jay Shetty. Lots of love to all you dudes. And Kripa Moya, father of Janavi, who I think about sometimes.
לא עושה לאף. 